At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I always wanted to play running back. That was always my dream position. And, uh, you know, during, <laughs> like you know, yeah, during you know, Oklahoma drills and all sorts of stuff, I used to always get a running back. And so one day my coach just said, yeah, I reminded him of Icky Woods, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals running back. And ever since then, the nickname kind of just stuck. You know how to do the Icky Shovel? I do. I actually added my own little spin to it, but I'm, I'm saving it, you know, so when I got get the opportunity so, to score. Oh, so when you get the old offensive lineman touchdown, you're going to give us the Icky yes, Shovel. Yes, sir. Yes, all sir. Right, That's all the right. plan. I've seen some film of you at quarterback, all right? <laughs> Yeah, I did. I saw it. You're a pretty good runner, actually. I was actually. I was. I needed to be. I the charge. Uh, the Chargers. Your media team is going around doing some videos, um, and I got to watch it. And they showed it. I was going, oh, okay. I'm going to see Brandon Staley, the drop back quarterback here. And this guy's over here, Mike, breaking ankles on people. I was like, what? He can run and make people miss? I was a little surprised. Yeah, well, I couldn't throw it like Chris Sims. Who's the guy that you can't wait to take on at the next level? Some of the greats. I mean, maybe. I guess I could say like I got like Tom Brady, but he retired. Yeah, you know, but other than that, maybe. He no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yeah, no, he didn't. Yeah, he no. didn't. Friday edition of PFTPM. Another Friday closer to death. Speaking of death, I got my NBCSN polo shirt on. It's dead. It's gone. It's over. It's kaput. This is a collector's item. I need to sell it on eBay. That's right. Hello, Miles Simmons. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, we are another Friday closer to death. But, you know, it's another Friday away from death from NBC Sports Network. I don't know. Is that what we call it? Well, and that's a more pleasant thought than another Friday closer to nuclear annihilation. But we're here to help you forget about what's going on in the world as we try to figure out how many more of these Fridays we really do have left. And let let me just say this. I continue to be very appreciative of the fact that while I was out of town for nine days in Los Angeles for the Super Bowl, my wife completely cleaned up my office, my space, my little chunk of the house, which also included a bathroom that had not been properly cleaned in a very long time. But Ugh. but what what happened was my pile of clothing from which I would grab a polo shirt or a quarter zip or whatever I wear in the looser, more casual afternoon program my pile is gone so i was scrambling to find a shirt i had to actually open a drawer and reach inside and pull out a clean shirt and put it on and that's how i ended up with this i wore this ridiculous thing for you so uh it's just i'm I'm discombobulated i need a better system and i almost didn't make it in time for the start of the show and you didn't know i wasn't in the chair that's what's even more awesome about it. The show would have started, and I wouldn't have been there, and you'd have been like, "What the hell is going on?" I almost, I almost wish that I hadn't made it on time. I almost wish that too. It would have been like Wally Pitt, Mike. I don't know if you would have gotten that spot back. It would have just like pushed your little thing off to the side. Actually, you should do it this way. You know, yeah, you would have been just gone, yeah. and it would have just been frankly, me. Frankly, I would have been sitting frankly, here for an miles, hour. Miles, it would have been fun. miles. In all candor, after the last month. I may be ready to give it to you soon, so get ready. Ooh, um, all right. And, uh, we'll discuss that, that off said, the air. <laughs> let's, give me a little more uh, money, too. It'd be great. Uh, 
<laughs> no, I'm not getting up any of the money. You're not getting paid anymore. I'm just done with oh, this. Okay. It's not that I don't enjoy Ser- Seriously, today was one of those days. Let's go full transparency because we really are another Friday closer to nuclear annihilation. I just didn't want to do the show today. I really didn't want to do it. And but for the fact that it would have been an hour without having the chance to visit with you, I would have said I got the flu. The whole store got the flu or something like that. But I just had this really strong desire this afternoon to not do it. I think because we didn't do the show this morning. Like my day was out of whack. And and it felt like a Saturday. So it kind of felt like having to do the show on a Saturday afternoon, which obviously we've never done. So uh, maybe that's why. Maybe it's temporary. Maybe it's gas or fear of nuclear winter. Are you you turning into Chris Sims now? You're just not going to do the show on Friday mornings? Possibly. No, well, we didn't do the show on Friday because we had so many interviews from our week in Indianapolis. Not my week in Indianapolis. Chris's week in Indianapolis. Yes, that's why we didn't do the show. It was presented to me as an option. They would have done it if I wanted to do it, but you give the crew a break, four-day work week, and we have a place that we can drop all the interviews so people who watch PFT Live can see all of them because a lot of them weren't going to make it to the show if we actually did a show. So anyway, uh, uh, in other words, this is the last edition of PFTPM. We'll uh, (laughs) see you in the morning starting next week. If, if I feel like doing that either. I've just turned, I, I don't know, between the pandemic for two years and nine days in Los Angeles, which fundamentally changed me in an organic way, and the constant fear, the return of the constant fear of nuclear annihilation, because I grew up under that cloud, sure. 71, 72, 73, you know, assume the position, put your head between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye. That all living yeah. under Get that under cloud until 1991. Yeah. I mean, really, the year you were born was the first year of my life that I wasn't constantly with this background noise fear that at any given moment they could launch the missiles. And I'm really not all that happy that that feeling's back. I thought that was over. I thought that was done. So it's caused me to reevaluate a lot of things, frankly, and with all transparency to everyone out there. So who knows? Maybe I'll just retire. I've got my F you, I'm out of here money. Maybe I'm just done, Miles. <laughs> we'll find out. Meanwhile, I have a book coming out. I don't have day, that so money. Publisher, so, okay, my, my let's, publisher. Let's slow, let's slow down a little bit, bro. I don't have that kind of money, all right? Some, some no, of us you still need stay. to work. I would go. You, you, there would be new management. There would be new management. You would stay. I would go. I don't know about that. uh, That's great. Get um, your resume ready when that happens. But I do have a book coming out in 11 days, and my publisher probably doesn't like this sudden surge of me saying, you know what? Just as it's time for me to try to promote this book, see you later. I'm gone. I'm like D.B. Cooper. I'm just gone. I'm real. Wouldn't that be great to just disappear and just like just gone and and like (laughs) like just I'm just gone. I'm really contemplating that, although I'm doing a bad job of setting it up because now everybody's saying this guy's just going to be gone one day. So get ready, get ready. You never know. You never know. I'll be here unless this I'm not. This is really All right, a let's get dark to start to this Friday well, show. These here, are man. dark times. These are I, dark times. Shoot. Yes. These are dark times. I guess Suddenly, so. Suddenly, out of nowhere. I can only, well, and that's the other thing too. Can I just say this before we move on? I'm no, not I'm gonna going to stop anyway. you. Yeah. I'm going to anyway. <laughs> um, I, I had really enjoyed the respite from constantly following the news. Because I had not been oh, paying too. much attention to the news, right? Ever since the, the, the dust settled on the insurrection, or don't call it an insurrection, right? Until uh, Ever since then, I kind of opted out, and I didn't care, and it was kind of nice. So this has been a very unwelcome smack in the face in recent— It's been a rough week. I mean, I, just, I, I think for anybody that grew up in the 70s, this is a return of a vibe that we never thought we'd live to see again. 
And it pisses me off, frankly, and it scares me. It scares me. It scares me for you, for my kid, for everybody out there that hasn't lived their life yet. They got to worry about this shit again. Sorry, I said it. So anyway, let's get to it. Stephen Jones talking about Mike McCarthy earlier today. Well, it really is. It really is. I I just listen. I remember dark times in the 70s and the 80s growing up under this constant fear. I'm repeating myself, but it, it is a it is a horrible existence to worry about that all the time. And it's back. It's back when we least expect it. Expect it. All right. The Cowboys, they believe in Mike McCarthy, according to Stephen Jones. His track record speaks for himself, according to Stephen Jones. Here's what Jones said. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to championship games. I love the way his leadership style is. He's got a great pulse for our football team, and it just feels like he's the right guy for us. Now, look, they created the mess that they're currently in through past flirtations with Sean Payton. They almost hired Sean Payton three years ago. There's no secret that Jerry Jones covet Sean Payton. And when Jerry's had a chance to talk about it publicly, he hasn't exactly knocked down any possibility of Sean Payton becoming the coach or Dan Quinn becoming the coach. And I think they've decided that they are going to use this as motivation for Mike McCarthy to get more out of him. And maybe it's good cop, bad cop. I don't know. But the bottom line is Mike McCarthy has won one championship. The book on him in Green Bay is post that championship, he underachieved, his team's underachieved, and guess what happened this year for the Cowboys? They underachieved again. So they can try to talk themselves into the idea that they've got a potential Super Bowl winning coach and a Super Bowl winning roster, and at times this year they kind of look like maybe they could compete to get there, but one and done at home, wild card round, that's not going to make people believe it. You can make yourself believe it because you need to because you'll want to, because you don't want to pay Mike McCarthy to not coach your team because you're too cheap to buy him out, which is just ridiculous when you consider how much money these people have. But that's what the Cowboys do. They don't want to pay people not to coach. So they're kicking the can for another year with Mike McCarthy. They're trying to speak something better than what they've gotten into existence. And we know where we're going to be a year from now. They're not going to have their fingerprints on the Lombardi Trophy. And we're going to be talking about whether or not it's McCarthy out and Sean Payton in. Yeah, I mean, and that's it, it sort of reminds me of the situation that was back in the day, if we can call it the day, where it was Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett. And it always just seemed like Jason Garrett was the coach in waiting. It was only a matter of time before Jason Garrett was going to take over for Wade Phillips. And then that happened, and we saw it happen. And, you know, they had they were a mediocre team for most of Jason Garrett's tenure. And then we saw Jason Garrett's contract expire, basically to the point of not wanting to pay people to not coach the team. Right. Jason Garrett's contract had to expire before they even were like, oh, yeah, he's not coming back. And then it was this weird deal where what are they going to do? Like, is he actually gone? And well, they don't have to announce anything because this contract is over. And then, oh, wow, look, there's Mike McCarthy. And yeah, he's the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And like you said, look, there's been a flirtation between Sean Payton and the Cowboys before. That's why this is going to continue to be out there for the next year. And like, I don't necessarily feel bad, bad for Mike McCarthy, but to act like Sean Payton is not going to be a cloud over everything that the Cowboys do next year. Imagine if the Cowboys start like 0-4, 0-5, 1-4, What is it going to be? But, oh man, well, they're going to get rid of Mike McCarthy at some point, and either Dan Quinn's going to take over or Kellen Moore's going to take over, and eventually they're going to get Sean Payton out of whatever TV job it is. That, like, that's just the way it's going to be, and that's what the narrative is going to be, whether they start slow or whether they end up being one and done in the postseason again. 
Yeah, and look, you never know what's going to happen. There are so many factors that go into how a season goes, but there's just a sense that this team still has plenty of work to do. And all of a sudden, Dan Quinn is the next Vince Lombardi, which I don't quite understand. Their defense wasn't 85 Bears this year, right? He just was so much better than the crap that they had in 2020. They, when you yeah. look at their overall performance, they, they weren't among the best defenses in football. And, and, and this idea that he could have been a head coach somewhere else, but he chose to come back, I don't buy that for a second. If he turned down an offer to be a head coach with another team to come back to Dallas, unless that offer was with the Texans, I'm not or buying it. Sorry, Texans. Sorry, Texans. Yeah, or the Jaguars. Sorry, Texans. The Tex- hey, the Texans gave us Nick Casario this week. See, here's my theory on the Texans oh. and why they gave us Nick Casario. I think they had some outside consultant say, engage your critics. That's the best way to deal with your critics. Because I've been doing this long. that in the thing. In the, in the I've been doing this, them, basically. I've been doing this long enough to know that every once in a while, one of these teams that doesn't quite know how to deal with the body blows they get from PFT will decide to reach out and think that maybe that's going to change things. And frankly, not today. Maybe tomorrow, but not today. Today's not the day to change my mind about anything. Yeah, um, I noticed that. You know, I've had, some of, these, I've had some of these days. I've had some of these days lately where I've caught a wild hair up my ass. And man, I, today is definitely one of them. Uh, it's kind of fun. Let's let it ride. Okay. The Cowboys are likely, air quotes, likkly to really. Does Shefty know he's being used when he reports oh these my things? God, is that fair for me days. to say? The Cowboys are likely to release, or release Amari Cooper. Are you retweeted it. You know what it meant. It's, an, it's a very clumsy and thinly veiled effort to try to get trade offers for Amari Cooper. So they get yes. Shefty to do it under the unspoken or spoken guys that, you know, when they do something with Amari Cooper, they'll be sure to let, we'll let you know first, Shefty. And, you know, whatever other move we're going to make, we'll let you know. You're helping us out here fire up this trade market for Amari Cooper. Of course, that's what they were doing and giving it to him. And he knows what he's doing by being part of it. What they're trying to do is to get someone to take Amari Cooper's contract off their hands. And if they can't find someone to do it, they will cut him. And that is not a surprise for one very important reason. When he signed that contract two years ago, five years, $100 million, it was a two-year, $40 million deal. The guaranteed money's over. It's gone. He's got no protection. And he's not a $20 million a year guy. So this may be as simple as let's get the word out that we're looking to trade him. And let's also see if we can't find a trade offer, what we're willing to pay him and let him unofficially gauge the market through his agent to see what else someone will pay him because maybe he just decides to take whatever we're willing to offer him on a reduced salary. That's a very possible outcome here, Miles. Not a trade, but Cooper taking less to stay with the Cowboys when his agent realizes that the Cowboys are willing to pay him as much as anyone else will. So why leave? Why leave? Just accept the pay cut. So it may not be a precursor to a trade, maybe a precursor to going to him with an offer that he can't refuse. Otherwise, he's going to be a free agent. Right. And, and it's interesting, too, because this is a guy that you know was paid as the highest paid receiver in the league, but didn't really put up those kinds of numbers. I mean, he is really you know middle of the pack just in terms of what a receiver is and like, you know, when it comes to production from last year into what you would want a guy that's being paid as much he's being paid. Um, for that position. I mean, even if the Cowboys had won the Super Bowl and Amari Cooper had gone off in the playoffs and all these different things, I don't know that the Cowboys would really want to pay him $20 million just for next season, especially when that is not guaranteed. I mean, that's that's basically what you're saying in that when they signed that contract, it was two years, 40 mil. Great. 
now he's earned that. So if the Cowboys want to come back to him and say, look, we'll give you X amount of money. We'll guarantee you some more salary so you can stay here. You can be a part of this offense. You can be productive and all that. Like that's something that I can understand where Amari Cooper might decide to do it. But I mean, you're not wrong in that when these things get leaked at this time of the year, it's really to see on the off chance, you know, where maybe there's some team with cap space that really wants to say, hey, we want Amari Cooper. That guy can really, really help us. We believe in him. He's about to turn 28. He should still be in the prime of his career, even though we had like 865 yards receiving last year. Like that, It's a guy that we believe in, and we think he's going to fit our system. The, the Cardinals did that last year with Rodney Hudson, right? The, the Raiders put out, hey, we're going to get rid of him. Uh, so, you know, we're going to release him. So if you want him, man, you know, uh, he's right there for the taking. And then the Cardinals, I think, traded like a second or third round pick for him. So these things sometimes work. I don't know if it's going to work in this case, given what the salary parameters are. But if somebody wants to sign him and then restructure that contract once he gets there to give him a little bit more of a guarantee um, in terms of pay and all that kind of thing, I, I could sort of see that happening, too. He has another 20 million that becomes fully guaranteed as of March 20. So that's the deadline for the Cowboys to do something, and it will not be a surprise if they move on from him. They are trying to keep some of the other guys they currently have. Obviously, they're looking to build around C.D. Lamb, but there has been some reporting that Michael Gallup is closing in on a contract to stick around, and we kind of saw this. When they drafted C.D. Lamb, that made it even more clear that Amari Cooper is not going to be there for more than two years. And look at it this way. They got one more year before they have to pay C.D. Lamb. So at the very most, it would be one more year with Amari Cooper on a restructured contract, but even then, I don't think he's going to be there. He would have to be willing to take whatever they're willing to pay. I think they focus on keeping Gallup and Cedric Wilson, and there are the rest of their notable free agents as they head toward the start of the new league year, Miles. And look, everybody's got to deal with this every year. You've got guys who are going to become free agents. question is, how much money do you want to devote to the guys you have, and how much money can you devote to guys you don't have? You know, every team is very ruthless when it comes to looking at the roster and asking themselves, do we keep the guys we have? Do we go sign new guys? You rip the name off the back of the jersey and you make a decision. And Amari Cooper is finding himself smack dab in the middle of that analysis, Miles. Yeah, he is. But, Mike, you know, I, I still think that he can go somewhere and he can be productive. You know, I mean, you look at the reaction by everybody today once that Schefter report comes out and it's like, whoa, yeah, like, this team should be interested and this team should be interested. And I mean, you know, I have tweet decks set up. So I see all these guys, different beat writers and whatnot. So we can, you know, can generate posts off of that. And it's like, boy, I think probably the majority of beat writers on the internet today were like, yeah, this is probably a guy that you might want to look at because he can probably fit there for you. So who knows what it's going to turn into, but I certainly think that if there's not a trade market for Amari Cooper, then there's going to be a pretty robust market for his services. Cause again, he's going to turn 28. He's not on that wrong side of 30 that we always talk about. He still has some good prime years left. So we'll see if he can get to another place that fits him and fit, you know, that he fits the scheme and he can be that kind of productive guy. Or if eventually he just takes a pay cut and stays with Dallas. Yeah, um, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills are closing in on a divorce with slot receiver Cole Beasley. He was very notorious this past year for reasons that no longer apply because if you haven't heard, the pandemic is over and it's as if it never even happened. Cole Beasley has permission to seek a trade. 
GM Brandon Bean told NFL Network that Beasley asked for and was given permission to shop himself elsewhere. He is due a $4.9 million base salary, a roster bonus of a million, and a $200,000 workout bonus. And one of the problems with the Bills last year, until we saw Gabriel Davis turn into T.O. and Randy Moss combined in the epic divisional round loss to the Chiefs, there really wasn't a lot of help around Stephon Diggs. And Beasley, for whatever reason, wasn't the guy that we'd seen in the past. So they're going to need a slot receiver. It's not going to be Cole Beasley, and we'll see where Beasley ends up if someone wants to jump on a guy who's creeping past his 30th birthday, and he may not find any takers. We'll see. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because I'm not necessarily sure what kind of market there would be for Cole Beasley if he wants to, you know, go someplace in a trade. You, you mentioned the details of the contract. It's not like the contract is that prohibitive, but uh, he's a guy that you talked about that side of 30, right? He's going to be, I think, 33. He's going into his mid-30s now. And you look at the production, he was solid. 82 catches, 693 yards, a touchdown. That's not bad at all. But I think at the same time, you're like, if you're Buffalo, you say, okay, we, we've seen what Gabriel Davis can do now in, in a featured role, right? You talked about that game that they had against the Kansas City Chiefs. We know Stephon Diggs is one of the best receivers in the entire National Football League. I think if the Bills want to say, we can get a slot guy, in the draft, we have confidence in our scouting staff that they've done enough work that wherever we get some guy, maybe it's the second round to the fourth or fifth round, he can come in and he can be a productive slot receiver in this offense. I can understand why the Bills would be like, yeah, sure, we can let this guy go. But I, I think that he could latch on, Cole Beasley could latch on somewhere. I don't necessarily think that he's going to go in there and be like, I don't know, the, the best slot receiver you've ever seen. It's just not – doesn't seem like that's necessarily going to be the case. Yeah. Um, it feels like he's a descending player at this point. And yes. it could be that the Bills are just trying to set this up in a way that gives him a chance to preserve his salary for this year. And uh, if he can't find someone who will trade for him, it very well may be that he's either out or or he has to take a lot less money to stay we don't know what the precursor was to this it very well could have been the bills went to him and said we don't really see you here for what you're due to make so okay let me try to shop myself and see if someone else will pay me what i'm due to make and then you can get some compensation for me if you don't see me as being a part of this team for the amount of money that you're due to pay me all right i'm going to pivot to something that just came through the uh the twitter Shereen Williams has texted us, Miles. I don't know if you check your phone during the program, but I, I always I do. I do not. I like to listen uh, to you. Yeah, and I know you don't listen to me, but I'll look at wait my a minute, phone wait now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't listen and check your phone at the same time? That's not high-level Gerald Ford walking and chewing gum. I mean, I can, but I like to actually know what it is that you're saying exactly so that I can respond to you. And also, I don't really have space on my screen in order to look at my text the way you do when we're doing the show. It's just, it's not the way everything works out. I got the phone. Yeah. Okay. I know. Here's, my, I, okay. here's the news. Anyway, what are we here's pivoting to? Please okay, tell me. I, it'll be my ready? live reaction. I really don't know what's coming. All right. Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reports that the Washington Commanders made a strong offer to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson, and the Seahawks said, no, thank you. Now, mm. now, now, what is a strong offer, right? Yeah. Who leaked that a strong offer was made? Why did they say no? Because Russell has veto power over any trade that would be made, and all he has to say is, I'm not interested in Washington. Don't bother talking to them. I'm a firm believer, Miles, 
that the Seahawks are ready to listen to real offers from teams that Russell Wilson would play for. And I feel like this is a strategic leak aimed at continuing that conversation, making sure people know that he's in play. Pete Carroll the other day didn't say, we're not trading Russell Wilson. He said, we have no intention to trade Russell Wilson. And people, people think I'm crazy for interpreting those words literally. <laughs> but that's what it means. If you're not trading him, you just say we're not trading him. When you say no intention, it means we may change our mind here if someone causes us to change our mind. So Washington reportedly tried. We don't know what they offered. But I think this reinforces the message. Russell Wilson is available if the right team offers the right package to the Seahawks, Miles. Yeah, well, but that's, I mean, in that same answer where he said we have no intention of trading Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll did say, to your point, Mike, that they listen, right? They, they answer the phone. If somebody wants to come out and, you know, give them an offer that they can't refuse, then they're going to listen to it, and maybe they won't refuse that offer. So it's interesting because then there was also that clip that we wrote about it at PFT earlier this week where Russell Wilson was on the Today Show, and Craig Melvin, he says, you know, I'm a Washington fan, and, you know, would you ever consider playing out east? And Russell Wilson says, you know, no, I'm good with Seattle right now. I love it here. It's great. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything either, but he did say, and that is like, yeah, I'm from Richmond. You know, I know exactly what you mean, da 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 So – if there is a team that's out there on the East Coast that maybe Russell Wilson would be interested in going to, it, it might be the Washington Commanders. So it's interesting that this does get leaked now. You know, we are about at the end of the combine where everybody's together and they're going out at prime and they're having some conversations. And we will see, I guess, maybe with some more reporting what this offer kind of deal was. But it, it, it certainly does at least represent that maybe they really are open for business with Russell Wilson if the offer is good enough and if it's a place where he would be willing to go. Yeah, I'd love to know what the terms of the offer were, and I'd love yeah. to know more about why it fell apart. I just think at the end of the day, Russell Wilson's not waiving his no-trade clause to go play for the Washington Commanders. Remember last I year, his agent wouldn't. made it clear. He, well, 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 well. Um, now, they, Ron Rivera is their coach, so I, I think that they are – a good quarterback away from being a very good team, but they understand that they desperately need a good quarterback. And I talked about this yesterday on PFT Live. I don't like the fact that they got dragged for calling every team to see if their quarterback's available. People laughing at them because they called the Chiefs. They called everybody. They called the Chargers. They called the Bills. They called everybody. And you know why? Because last year, the Rams and the Lions did an inside deal for Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff, and nobody else had a fair chance to do it. And I don't know whether that was a thank you from Brad Holmes to the Rams for helping him become a GM whether it was some sort of a this is the perfect arrangement for everyone because the Rams get to unload the god-awful Jared Goff contract and it worked out perfectly, or maybe it's that the Rams were the only place where Matthew Stafford wanted to play. But, but Martin Mayhew said this earlier in the week. It wasn't a fair shot. It wasn't a fair process to try to get Matthew Stafford. So you avoid that this year by literally calling every team to make sure there isn't some guy out there that, that maybe is available and you didn't find out about it, and you didn't make a shot at it. So good for them. That's why they made a run at Russell Wilson. And who knows who else they've made a run at, and who knows who they're going to get. But they're going to have somebody other than Ryan Fitzpatrick or Taylor Heineke when week one rolls around. That's for damn sure. It certainly seems so. I mean, like, fair process. Like, what in life is fair, you know? What is that? I I understand. I'm not, I'm not like, saying, you know, oh, Mark, make you blah, blah, blah. But, like, 
who cares if it's fair or not? Like sometimes deals get made and you just don't get to make them. And who's to say that Matthew Stafford, who the Lions wanted to do right by, would have sent him to Washington. Like they didn't really want, he didn't seem to want to go there. He wanted to go to Los Angeles. He wanted to play for the Rams. So like, I don't know. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but like, eh, fair. I, I, but I don't think that, that it was a full and fair and and look from the Lions' perspective. But wait, but okay, but we better, well, wait a minute. Maybe wait a you minute, get a better minute. offer from there somebody was, else. Why don't you do an auction for Matthew offer? Stafford? Holmes was talking about the fact that they liked the fact that they got Jared Goff back because it at least gave them a bridge quarterback. Who's gonna, who is Washington going to send them? Heineke? They want Heineke instead of Goff? I don't know. It's, eh, Hard to build a bridge with tiny little baby hands. How do you oh build a bridge? Do you have a little tiny? Oh. Do you have a little tiny hammer and nails? Oh, stop that. There's no there's no reason to do that. Take your nihilistic stuff away from Jared Goff today. I, I'm just saying that like Nihilistic. Man, Somebody fair, went to Columbia. That, yes, I no. did. Thank you very much. That's that's you today. You're very nihilistic today. It's very interesting. But I'm just saying, like the Carolina Panthers also were involved in that Matthew Stafford trade process, too. So they also thought that they put together a very strong offer, and it's not one that the Lions accepted. So I don't really want to hear about, oh, it wasn't fair. Quit crying. By the way, I have to apologize to Andrew, who's producing this show for the first and undoubtedly yeah, last seriously. time today. <laughs> Sorry, I Welcome, forgot, Andrew. Andrew. Oh, boy. Yeah. Maybe it would have been better if just didn't We're show up. We're all going to die. Let's take a break. Kayvon Thibodeau reveals which team gave him a quote-unquote hard time during Combine interviews. PFTPM. Back after this. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. First NFL check, I'd probably, probably have to be a Ford Bronco, you know, but get a little car, affordable, but, you know, but, but good looking. So that's definitely, uh, definitely what I got in my mind. And then, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to figure the rest of it out. <laughs> that's Aiden Hutchinson talking to reporters at the scouting combine. We interviewed him at the Super Bowl and I mean, the kid's 20, 21 years old. First of all, he's a giant. I don't know how he's going to fit into the new Ford Bronco because it doesn't seem quite as large as the older models. But uh, uh, I guess they'll, they'll find a way. They'll cut a hole in the roof if they have to. I remember seeing. You must be looking at the Bronco shape. Sports because, like, you, the, the real the new Bronco is not, like, that small. I don't know. You, I, I see, I see, I've seen a small. It's like the escape size. See, you, now you got That's me going it. on cars, man. Yeah, you're talking about the Broncos hey. sport. He ain't talking about the Broncos sport. He means the real thing. And frankly, okay. I think this means that the Jaguars should pass on him and he should go to Detroit. And that should be the thing that the Fords present him and in his introductory press conference. Like, hey, man, we've got a little surprise for you. And then you bring him outside and boom, there's a Ford Bronco. Maybe this is his way of letting the Jaguars know he doesn't want them to draft him. Maybe, Maybe. that's his message. Because mm-hmm. he didn't say, I want a Jaguar, right? I'm going to buy a Jaguar. But, uh, that He could have said that. Oh, no, seriously, right? By the way, I noticed something earlier. Can we get the wide shot of Miles? You've got a car up by your PFT license plate. I'm curious oh, what model car that is. What is that? That's a Porsche uh, 911 4S. 
It's like yeah. a 2007 model or something like that, 2008. I can't quite remember. I could look at it, but I'm okay. not. I was just curious. I'm just curious. Um, yeah. it's I saw it. I noticed it. I, I, that that's it's good. It's good to have. It's good to have. Uh, I've got a Ferrari clock in my barn, and every time I go oh. down there and I turn on that light, I see that logo and the name and this red neon around it, and that's my you know that's my my bat signal to someday maybe have the nerve and the money to buy a Ferrari. All right. Uh, so um, I, I assume that that's what you would buy then. That that uh, Porsche, whatever model that is, up on your. If you if you got the NFL signing bonus, you'd go buy one of those right away. A 911 4S. But actually, I probably wouldn't. I'd go with the Lamborghini Urus at this point. I mean, back when the 911 came out, you know, like that one, that generation of it, it the Lamborghini Urus wasn't out yet. I, I want one of those trucks now. I will probably never have enough money to get one of those Lambo SUVs. But my God, those things are beautiful. I see when they when I go and like I'm out somewhere and I see them rolling down the street. I was crossing the street. uh a couple weeks ago after I had brunch the other day or, you know, out here in LA is what I mean on a Saturday. It wasn't during the week, just so you know, it was a Sunday. That's all right. Whatever That's all right. it was, I'm crossing the street. We don't I pay attention to your work hours. We will now. <laughs> well, I guess not. Huh? I've crossed the street and I see this guy and he's like driving a Lamborghini Russe. And I was a couple mimosas in and I gave him a thumbs up. I was so happy to see it. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. They roll down the Ventura Boulevard all the time. It's fantastic. Um, I have one I, my, specced my, out on my desktop too. They let you do that on Lamborghini.com. It's gray. I, 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 I'm I, I, telling I you, it's got white. Yeah. It's got you know red stitching inside. My gosh. Oh. My, my my problem with getting a really expensive car twofold. It is a horrible investment. First of all, it, it is it is a terrible thing to do with your money, uh, unless you get it. Well, but but then again, but then again, the cost of used cars now has been skyrocketing. So maybe it's not exactly. as bad of an investment as it used to be. Secondly. My wife's got this thing that has infected me, and it's this fear that if you make this really big purchase on something that you don't need and that it's money you could, like, give to the poor or something, you're going to go to hell. So we joke about it. I don't think she's really joking that if you buy a Ferrari, you're going to go to hell. And if it's a really nice Ferrari, I could just drive it straight into hell which, you know, would be fine. As long as I get to keep the Ferrari, if I keep the Ferrari and go to hell, I, maybe it's a good trade. But uh, that, that's one of the things that's kept me from seriously exploring it. All right. Uh, here Can are the, make a the odds called, from... Like nihilistic Mike today. Like, my goodness. Like, I this get a new, Ferrari and I'm new, going to hell. It's the new boss. <laughs> uh, here's points bet. Odds on the first overall pick in the draft. As of right now, Evan Neal, a guy we interviewed this week, the tackle from Alabama, is currently... The favorite, followed by Aiden Hutchinson, and uh, there's the rest of the list. Here's Hutchinson on talking about the value of defensive linemen, something we seem to be reminded of pretty much every year at Super Bowl time. Here he is. Yeah, obviously, pass rush has always been a choice in the NFL, but like, recently, even like watching the Super Bowl, seeing the impact you can have on a game. What, what do you see as you enter the NFL about what teams are prioritizing and what, what kind of things you can provide in, in this game? Yeah, I think that's why that's why pass rushers get paid uh, the most or, or one of the most, just because you know they have the ability to affect the game like that, like Vaughn and and, um, and Aaron. I mean, they really took over that game, and um, it was. I mean, that's why they get paid. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's really the key. We saw it in Super Bowl 50. We saw it in Super Bowl 55. We saw it in Super Bowl 56. 
when you have an overwhelming pass rush, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. If he doesn't have time to set up and throw, it's game over. It's championship in hand. And uh, so, so you need a great quarterback, and you need somebody who can affect the other team's quarterback. And if you have those two, two things taken care of, you're in a position to win a lot of games in January and February. Yeah, and look, it's one of the reasons why uh, you know tackles also get paid so much. I'm talking about offensive tackles. If you can keep that guy off of the QB, then that's really going to help you win. It's why last spring I kept talking about, well, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't necessarily know if I want to draft Jamar Chase over somebody like Penny Sewell because you got to be able to protect that guy. Now, while I can definitively say that I was wrong and that obviously the Bengals should have drafted Jamar Chase, they still certainly need to fix their pass protection. Joe Burrow got sacked 70 times between the regular season and the postseason. Right? So that's something that they've got to do. They've got to be able to protect him better so that guys like Aiden Hutchinson don't come into the backfield and you know continue to hit him and hit him and hit him and maybe shorten his career um, than it otherwise might be. The, um, the, the reality is that there are several great defensive linemen in this draft. Kayvon Thibodeau is another one of them, another guy that we spoke to at the Super Bowl. Here he is talking about the meeting that he had with the New York Giants last night. I've talked to the Giants. We had a great interview. They were kind of on me. You know, they, they were giving me a hard time. But, you know, I feel like it, it was like that big brother moment where they give you a hard time because hard time they really, they're interested in you and they like you. So, for me, you know, just, just showing them that, you know, I'm really a guy. I grew up in a big city, so a big city is nothing new to me, right? Well, I mean, just give me a hard time, you know, like select, like when you bring up, you know, what's going to happen if, if I'm not the star, you know, coming in five games in, if I don't have a sack, this is one thing we talked about. And, you know, the media is going to be down to me, you know, everybody's going to be, I'm going to be in the doghouse, you know, how am I going to hold that? And I, and I let them know, like, I've been in the media since I was a sophomore in high school, you know, so I've been trained for this my whole life. And I know that most of it is entertainment, right? So I'm not really worried because whatever happens between the four walls of, of the team and the organization is what's going to dictate the future. And if I have five bad games, we're going to focus on that next week on how we're going to you know dominate the team you know that's next and look one of the realities of scouting combine they ask you questions in a certain way to see how you react under duress under stress because they try to extrapolate that to how you react on the field when you are getting manhandled by someone bigger and stronger than you've ever encountered before on a football field how will you deal with pressure how will you deal with a level of scrutiny that you've never experienced before. So I, I, I'm i not surprised by it. There's nothing wrong with it. They have taken steps this year particularly to get teams to be more careful about the things they ask and the things they don't ask. But there's nothing wrong with a little good cop, bad cop. There's nothing wrong with seeing how a guy deals with some tough questions. It's part of what they're trying to figure out. It's why they do so many of these interviews. It's a very unique industry in that regard. And that's just a little slice of it. We don't see many guys talk about it openly anymore. I think they're programmed by their agents to keep their mouths shut. But uh, Thibodeau willing to talk about it. But it's not surprising. I'm sure it happens to, to most of these guys at some time or another in the run-up to the draft. Well, yeah, and I think that if you just listen to that answer by Thibodeau, it's not like that dude's not media trained at this point. So I just feel like whatever team drafts him, if he does have that stretch of not necessarily great games, he's going to react just like he did there. You know, he's going to tell you, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to get this thing improved. We're going to work hard so that what happened last week doesn't happen this week. And he'll give you all the cliches that you'd ever want. And that is exactly what you would want as a head football coach in the NFL.
All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We've got uh, a lingering interview that we haven't jammed into any of our other shows coming up later in the program. But before that, we're going to crack open the mailbag. We're going to find some nihilistic questions in the mailbag potentially to answer when PFTPM continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. PFTPM Friday edition rolling through a mailbag that has some interesting questions. This is something that's come up in past years, and I always love having this conversation. Paul Silva, a.k.a. at PaulPJ5, should the draft be before free agency like it is in the NBA? Miles, your thoughts? Uh, Maybe. It it doesn't necessarily bother me that it isn't. I kind of think that... If I'm an NFL person, I, I want to get my needs done in free agency so that I know when I go into the draft, I don't have to reach for anything. So, I mean, that's the whenever I've talked to general managers and all that, like that's kind of what they've approached it as. You can take care of different things in free agency so that you don't have to reach by the time you get to the draft. You know, if you go into the draft and you don't have a guy that you at least think can be a placeholder at right tackle, for instance, then you might do something like well, what the Raiders did last year, right? And then you might draft somebody like Alex Leatherwood, and then you have to play him at guard, and then it turns out he's not even that great of a guard in that scheme for whatever reason. And now you're going into the next year with a new regime, and you really don't necessarily know what you have. So it, I think that that kind of makes it a little bit better. But you can say by the same token, like, you know, you go into the draft, and you get whatever you get, and then you can then go to free agency and be like, all right, well, now I know I have to fill this need, this need, and this need. Yeah, but I think to the extent you're not reaching in the draft, you end up finding yourself in a position where you're paying too much in free agency. And at least for now in free agency, you can say to a guy who's maybe asking for too much, well, we still have the draft. That Mm -hmm. argument goes out the window if the draft has already happened. The flip side, though, is I don't think the players would want to delay free agency until after the draft because they want to get their money, and their money right. comes in March, and they get your signing bonus in March. We did have one year where the draft happened before free agency. That was in 2011 during the lockout. They still did the draft, even though the NFL was otherwise shut down, and then it was in early August when free agency happened. I think there's a lot of of wisdom to doing the draft before free agency because then you really do know what you need post-draft. But it's two different buckets, too. It's rookies. How many rookies are going to step in right away and make an impact? And it's guys who you want to plug in to your system. But the earlier you know who they are, those veterans, the better equipped you are to understand exactly what you need to do in the draft. But either way, there are two of the tools that you have available to make your team better, and there's only so many cracks that you have, and you got to make the most out of them. Neil watches PFT. Which former starting quarterback has the best shot to become a full-time starter again like Ryan Tannehill? I'll take this one first. Obviously, it's Mitchell Trubisky. In my mind, there's been so much buzz about Trubisky landing somewhere, and there are teams out there that could do a lot worse and are doing a lot worse than Trubisky. And I'm going to be fascinated to see what some of these teams do who have a starting quarterback who's on shaky ground, but they're sticking with, like your Browns, Miles, like the Dolphins, 
with Tua Tagovailoa. I, I think that there's going to be a surprise or two, a guy that otherwise is safe, who all of a sudden isn't safe by virtue of the the backup that they go out and pay a decent amount of money to to come in and join the depth chart. Well, it, it would make sense to me if Mitchell Trubisky goes to the New York Giants to push a guy like Daniel Jones. I mean, ever since the Bills signed Trubisky last year in free agency, I was like, well, wherever Brian Dayball goes next year, that team probably is not going to have a viable starting quarterback. I mean, this one you could say with the Giants, like, what do we really know about Daniel Jones? We just don't. Right. So he could go there, maybe push Daniel Jones, maybe supplant Daniel Jones like Ryan Tannehill did with Marcus Mariota. But Marcus Mariota is another one of those guys, right, where he can go in somewhere, maybe be a guy that can push a starter and perhaps challenge for that job and become another starting quarterback again and, and a fresh start um, with another team. So we, we kind of thought that it might happen with the Raiders. Once he went there, that didn't end up being the case with Derek Carr playing as well as he has over the last few years. But yeah, I mean, Mariota's another candidate for something like that. I think he's the perfect backup for Tua because it's a similar style. Yes. And if Tua falters, you put Mariota in and you go from there. And uh, I don't know that there's a guy that you look at and say he's going to resurrect his career with a new team. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to end up somewhere. The Steelers could do a lot worse than Carson Wentz when you consider that Mason Rudolph is currently the top guy on their depth chart. But there, there's a few of them. And if the big names aren't going to move this year, some of these second-tier, third-tier guys could have a chance to make some noise in 2022. Another question from Vacation Eddie. Realistically, who's in the running for the Colts quarterback position? Well, not Carson Wentz. That's for damn sure. And I, if, I, if I was Jim Ursay, and look, their first-round pick this year is already gone by virtue of the failed Carson Wentz trade, but I'd sure as hell try to come up with some way to get one of these high-end guys. I doubt the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson in the division, but at this point, Lovey Smith would trade him to anyone to get him off the roster if he had a vote. But I'm making the call to the Packers about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we're looking at teams in the AFC that may be enticing to Rodgers. How are the Colts not at the top of the list? He's 0-2 all-time in Indianapolis, so he knows how hard, hard it is to win in that building. And they're in a division, the AFC South, where you could win enough games against overmatched foes that you could get the one seed and then not make it to the Super Bowl again. Aaron Rodgers has the ability to elevate guys around him. I think that's pretty obvious. But when you look at the Colts' offensive weapons, it's kind of um, the running back whose name is Jonathan Taylor. Whoa, that was an interesting brain fart. Uh, and you've got Jonathan Taylor, you've got Pittman, and it's kind of like question mark, question mark, question mark uh, besides that. So it's the weapons that, to me, would make Aaron Rodgers go, eh, I don't know if that's really a better option than what I've got here in Green Bay where they have really told me how much they love me and all of those kinds of things. So I don't know if it's that. If it's Russell Wilson, I might inquire there. But uh, Jimmy Garoppolo seems to be the best guy that's going to move at this point. So if I'm the Colts, uh, maybe my best option. I was on 95-7, the game in San Francisco today, and we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it's a given that he's not going to win anyone a Super Bowl. But there are some teams out there that are trying not to be 4-13. and 13. They're happy to be 8-9. and nine. Right. So he's going to be an upgrade over some of the options that are available. He's not the guy that's going to get you over the top. But he may be the guy that gets you at least in shouting distance for a playoff berth or maybe get you to the postseason. So, all right, we are out of time. We're going to take a break. We have one leftover interview from the scouting combine. Bernard Rayman from Austria joins the program when PFTPM continues right after this. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to our continuing coverage of the Scouting Combine from Indianapolis. Chris Sims is there. I am not. And with Chris, a very large human who is ready to take on the NFL. And his name is Bernard Rayman. Bernard, welcome. How are you, buddy? Good. How are you? Good. Good. So, uh, I heard you say it beforehand, and I've got it right in front of me. You're from Austria. How in the world did you discover football? Yes, sir. Um, I stumbled like crossed it pretty randomly actually um my dad moved to like the suburbs of vienna um and then some guys down the street were just playing catch with the football um and i was like around 13 at that point and i you know ended up joining him and that's how i ended up playing playing football wow. <laughs> um yeah when did you first realize that you were better off not catching it but but pushing those who uh, are trying to get to the guy who's trying to throw it <laughs> um well um i did my exchange year and then ended up getting recruited as a tight end to central michigan um where i played tight end mostly as a blocking tight end at central my first two years um and then the coaches kind of asked me if i would switch positions kind of out of you know necessity because we had some guys getting hurt some guys graduating in the position um so yeah, the coaches asked me if I could if I could make the transition in the in the spring of 2020, and um, I was all for it. Ended up loving playing tackle. Um, obviously, before we got shut down with COVID, but yeah, um, I loved it. And then that summer, I just started working a lot, you know, by myself and with my teammates on the position, and um, then got to play two seasons as tackle. Six seven three zero five. All right. So I mean, he could have been like you know Gronk or really a tight end. It looks like all right to me. And he's got a huge freaking cinder block head too that he could just <laughs> bash people with. All right. Uh, that's gonna help. All right. So, but I'm interested. Like when you were doing tight end, yep. What were you weighing? Uh, I started off at like two forty, and then like my second year I was like two fifty five, two sixty at the end. All right. So now they ask you to make the switch. And, like, what, what's it like for you? Do you have to work to eat, or you just go, I don't care what I eat? Like, how does that work with your diet and everything now? Um, well, I never really cared that much about eating. I never like, right. took nutrition that serious prior to that point. Yeah. Um, so when they asked me to switch, I just became more conscious about, you know, your calorie input and, like, when and how to take or, like, take your meals. And, yeah. Um, so after I got, you know, uh, more this, aware of that, yeah. then I just – on, you, know. you just kind of pack, packed it in. You started, yeah. you, but you, you like, did you try to eat healthy at first to put the weight on? Was it healthy calories, or did you just go, I'm gonna eat whatever I want and just lift weights and just go where it goes? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I tried to stay mostly healthy, but yeah. obviously, like, well, you know, dessert here and there was in there too. Yeah, good. Of course. Um, but um, it was mostly healthy, I would say. Well, what, what, give me the jumps like each year. So you said like 240 freshman tight end, then it was 255, and then, okay, so then what will we, you know, year three when we're playing tackle now? Um, in the spring, I was probably like 260, 265. Right. Um, and then we got shut down with COVID. 
Um, and then when we came back in the fall, I played at like 290. Gotcha. Um, and then last season, I played at like 305. Wow. All right. You, you carry it well. It looks I easy. It. I really appreciate do. that. You know, at Central Michigan, it's not obviously Michigan. It's not a NFL powerhouse. But there's a bunch of guys who have come from Central Michigan and made it in the NFL. How much of that history with guys like Eric Fisher, Joe Staley, even J.J. Watt, who was a tight end recruit at Central <laughs> yeah. Michigan once upon yep. a time, how much of that gives you the confidence, even to a school like Central Michigan, that I can emerge as a guy who can make it in the NFL? Um, yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence like in my, in my entire process. Obviously, um, all of them started off as a, as a tight end as well. So even like having like a similar like story to them um, – made me really realize that um, it doesn't matter where you come from. It, it just matters where you end up. Um, so I was just put my head down, started working, and, um, you know, always looked up to those guys. This spring I got the chance to, to work with Joe Staley, which was a huge honor for me, and uh, I learned a lot, took a lot away from it. Um, so, yeah, it definitely, it definitely helped a lot. You know, I know it's so early in the process, and you're in that phase where teams can talk to you. Have you gotten a sense of teams that may be – more interested in you than others right now? Um, no, not really. I just go into every interview as, as open as, as I am. Um, I've been enjoying meeting a lot of, um, you know, coaches around the league and, and scouts and, and everything, obviously. But um, I'm not too concerned about it. I just, you know, do my best every day. And I, in the end of the day, I can't influence who likes me and who not. I can't influence that anyway, so might as well be myself in every interview. That's right. That's all, that's all you can do. Be yourself. All right, so catching balls in Vienna, all of a sudden, oh, crap, football's kind of cool, Dad. You're right. <laughs> what was the team? Like, who? what was your first experience now, like, turning on the TV? Who'd you gravitate towards once you started having a catch and getting interested in football? Um, so I started playing in Vienna. I played yeah. for the Vienna Vikings. Gotcha. Um, and me not growing up with the NFL. Um, yeah. It's, hard like, to... it's kind of hard to find a team. Right. There's obviously no location in Europe, yeah. so you don't really have like a local team to cheer for. Um, so I just chose the, the Minnesota Vikings at first. Obviously, Fit. like same, like a similar helmet, similar um, name. In it, He's a Vikings name. fan. Yeah. This jerk you're talking to over here is a Vikings <laughs> fan too. Oh um, man! So and then I actually ended up um, having the chance to go to one of the London games in which the, the Vikings uh, played the Steelers. Wow. So that was obviously it. my first NFL game was huge was a experience great game. for myself. It was a great game. Yeah. Yep. Um, so. That was it. So that that, was, And that, so you're, you're still kind of a Vikings fan, I mean, I would think. Um, yeah, obviously, like, the last few years being in Michigan, yeah, you, support, you support the Lions um, right, as right. your local team. Um, All right. So yeah. last thing, because I the last one for you. But who's, who's the guy you're excited to go against? Who's the guy you can't wait to, like, oh, my gosh, in the NFL, I might be blocking this guy next year? Um, like Miles Garrett would be a great Miles example of something guy. that um, obviously a huge challenge, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, cool, cool. Good having you here, man. Awesome. Awesome so stuff, much. Bernard. Congratulations on all your success. All the best going forward in your NFL career. Thanks, there he is, folks. Bernard Rayman. Thank you, pal. Right, thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.